1: welcome 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 everybody to the rdl show this is the ryan d leaf show you're watching us here on youtube or on periscope via twitter welcome uh subscribe to the ryan d leaf show on youtube listen via podcast on the believe podcast networks you can check us out on twitter on instagram follow us at hashtag rdl show on twitter and instagram at the rdl show welcome back uh, Sky will be joining us as well as Jonathan here shortly. Um, wanted to kind of get into some of the things we talked about Monday to open the show around the mental health space and what you can do to kind of move forward. I've recently started, um, uh, I guess training again. Uh, I got myself a trainer, um, about, oh, a month ago or so. And we've eased into it, you know, uh, early in the morning, 6 AM. So I like getting up. I'm up at like 5 30 every morning. Um, I love to get it done before the day has begun. I feel like when I've accomplished so much by 7am, 8 o'clock ahead of what other people may have accomplished during the day, I feel, um, like I achieved a little bit more. It's motivating for me. This is something that I think, uh, not just as a former athlete, but anybody really just to be active. Of course, we, um, promote, uh, the nutrition side of things here on the show with, with Sunfair. We'll talk about them in a little bit, but how I've changed my nutrition over the last year during this pandemic, Um, when uh, COVID-19 parked a lot of us at home with quarantine, here in California for myself, uh, has been really locked down for uh, about 14 months or or more. It looks like it's going to open up a little bit uh, more here, June 15th, but a lot of people who tend to like the fellowship uh, around recovery, around mental health and stuff like that, we're told to isolate. We're told to, <laughs> show me in my little workout this morning. Yeah. Uh, I got a great trainer uh, and it's uh, really helped my, my mental acuity in, in that I am uh, more active. I'm more, I have more energy. Uh, they're taxing, but they're not like what I used to do when I worked out. So this is just kind of an example for everybody to um, try to emulate a little bit it just to get out for a while it was just walking right being outside kind of being uh, away from from everything and anytime there's any kind of feeling of anxiety at all I would get out and simply walk um, put the, put the headset in um, listen to some music walk think about my day and the workout has kind of done that for me as well this time you know I'm not thinking about anything else uh, my trainer, Shannon, who is exceptional. You guys can follow her at Shannon Shape on, on Instagram. She's amazing. Very technical and fundamental. And it's a lot of mobility stuff for somebody who's 45 years old, who's had a ton of injuries, who's been through a lot of things, uh, physically with my body. She does a lot of stuff with mobility and core. And since I play a lot of golf, that's been incredibly helpful. Um, I, I, you know. A lot of times she has me do some of these mobility movements, and I feel awkward in doing them. But I know that it's going to benefit me physically in the long run. But it also does a heck of a lot for my mental health. And anybody else out there that is struggling with the fact that they've been pent up um, at home, uh, they're getting out there more and can be more active. This this is something that has fueled uh, me in the last year, and and in particular the last month. I feel good about myself. Um, And when you feel good about yourself, you tend to feel good about how things are going, regardless of any uh, situations in your life. You know, I say this all the time uh, in my speeches here on the show, and you guys hear it, um, you know, life isn't fair. It's how you deal with it that matters and whether you make the the positive and healthy choice uh, when deciding what to do. And so this is one of those steps for me. Again, you guys can follow us at hashtag RDLshow on Twitter and Instagram at the rdl show and subscribe to the ryan Deely show on youtube listen via our podcasts uh if you want to listen on that side of things on the believe podcast network we're going to welcome back in jonathan ripkin who's been away working hard at his play-by-play gig down there in san diego sky glasgow always here next to me um the the pandemic uh and the isolation of it all for both you guys uh, understanding what you are in control of, how big of a, a factor has been, uh, you know, exercise, things like that to kind of the endorphins that come with that, how big of a factor has that been in you guys dealing with what the last, you know, almost year and a half has, has meant to, uh, to your lives? Yeah, first of all,
2: happy to be back the uh, what's really good for my mental health is to be on the RDL show. So mm. this is this is step 1. This is step 1 watching, being on it, all part of the conversation, all part of the script. Um but you know from I have ADHD. So I'm I'm hyperactive. My mind goes all over the place, hyperstimulated. You know, I'm I'm just now learning how to even just focus on my breath in times where I learned it from Phil Mickelson's approach on the on the green by the way because he is so cerebral, he is so calm and it's like My body, my mind knows I need to be calm. My body doesn't. What can I do? Um, And I just now I'm learning to count my breaths. I still can't meditate very well. I need some sort of stimulation, TV, something to fall asleep most of the time. Um, And exercise is is vital. So at the beginning of the pandemic, I was working out all of the time. Uh, About August, I was working out once or twice a day. About August, I injured myself and that was taken away from me. And those two months, that's where you learn. How important being active in any way is, Ryan. Like you said, like just getting up and walking. I wasn't even doing that because yeah. this anxiety. Like I had, I had a an AC separation. I had, um, and I had a tear in my whatever this bo- muscle is right here. And you can't, you can lift. I could still go do do things, but I didn't because I was sitting there with this anxiety. I can't work out. I can't do the things that I want to do. And and eventually, day by day, you don't even realize it. You get stuck into that little – into that trap what it is. You wake up and you go through the same thing and you don't – it's hard to break out until you really recognize it. And just getting out, starting to play basketball again, getting back into my routine, going to the gym now that things are open, I'm slowly but surely starting to come back together. And it also, look, when who are we? We are at our true selves when we have nothing around us but us and our thoughts, right? We, we live yeah. in our heads. So we need to try and make the space in our heads a great place to live if we're going to live in our heads. And so, you know, compartmentalizing and figuring all that out, including exercise, including having these mental health conversations, and just being open and truthful with people—all of that is important. And the pandemic has helped help me figure out what I need, what my brain and my body needs um, to work as in unison on that on that side of things. So,
3: yeah, absolutely. And in, in our household, uh, my partner is a uh, health and wellness instructor and coach. Uh, daughters on the high school dance team i started playing softball again finally that was taken out last year started running again uh and i'll be honest the first six seven months uh likewise of the pandemic i i wasn't i was working heavily i was just not interested in being outside first of all weren't supposed to be eugene oregon and oregon in general has been very locked down for a long time one of the most strict states we've have around so it was tough but the sun's coming back out and as jonathan knows um <laughs> it's pretty special up here when it's not freezing cold no vitamin
2: well. d deficiencies when the sun's out up there
3: exactly so it's been it's been really nice and just to get outside even to walk the dog you know simple things to walk yeah. the dog get out and water the plants for an extra 20 minutes or something uh a day and, and get some sun has been huge to um taking a break from screens is a big thing for me and also just making sure that, you know, like Jonathan said, controlling your breath and making sure that you're in a, a proper place to be as effective as you possibly can. And, um, highly encouraging getting physically active however you possibly can.
1: Having, having a, a kid, uh, is huge guy. You know that, uh, <laughs> yesterday, um, MacGyver got his first, uh, swimming lesson. We should have gotten him into it a little <laughs> earlier last summer. Um, he, uh, uh, so I got a I got plenty of sun yesterday. I feel very vibrant. How are your deep. swimming skills, Ryan? Are you My is swimming coming skills, from good genetics? It's coming from great genetics. I love being in the water. We should have got okay. him going. He loves the water. I mean, that's the thing. I just we just didn't give him lessons. And and I can teach him as well as I can, of course, but I just, you know, I'm not uh, as he would say, he says this a lot. Anytime he does something well, I tell him, Good job. And he's like, Yeah. Yeah, Dad, I'm an expert. That's what he tells
2: me. So. <laughs> I got this Pops thing. I love the confidence. Oh, <laughs> yes, man.
1: Yes, he does. Speaking of confidence, uh, the Brooklyn Nets look like they have all the confidence <laughs> in the world. Um, <laughs> they are rolling. They are rolling. 97 uh, so Cougs out there. Them. What's that? Looking like the 97 Cougs out there just butter on every play. <laughs> yeah, they are they're pretty good. They're without James Harden with the injury, and some people – Uh, talked about whether or not that was going to be a factor. What that has opened up is that it has opened up an opportunity for probably the best player in the game right now, Kevin Durant, to get more looks, you know, get the ball more. Uh, And they've been – I mean, Milwaukee looked about as good as anybody in the first round, and they look like they're about to get swept uh, in in the second round here. And I don't know if anybody from the East – it could be some entertaining Eastern Conference final, but I don't know if really a a team in the East is going to – to stand up against the uh, the likes of the Brooklyn Nets. The Atlanta Hawks uh, got beat um, by the 76ers. I think that's a series that could probably go seven games, should be very entertaining, but I don't know if there's a team uh, out in the Eastern Conference that's going to uh, truly battle the Brooklyn Nets moving forward. And then when we head out West, we're going to get the Western Conference semifinals tonight again. Uh, the Phoenix Suns i uh, going to battle the uh, Utah or, or the Clippers are going to battle the Utah jazz and the Phoenix Suns are are going to take on uh, the Denver Nuggets. Once again, the Clippers for the majority of the game seemed like they had that thing in, in, in control. And about midway through the third quarter, Utah just started rolling. And um, you know, Paul George just continues to baffle me in terms of um, where he's at in the playoffs. He just seems like he disappears at times. And he was the big. Can we reason compartmentalize?
2: Why everybody... Can we compartmentalize this? Because you just went from all of the, through all the different games. Can we compartmentalize and go like mo- like game by game? Because I feel like I want—I have so much to respond to, but we're skipping through all of it. Um, well, where would you finish like, to, that thought, would you like well, to respond to first? Let, well, let's finish that thought. Finish the thought about Paul George because I think that's a good place to start with all of this. Yeah, I
1: just, you know, he's going to have to contribute more because it can't be all Kawhi, uh, Kawhi Leonard, right? I mean, it, it's it just can't. Utah Utah looked like the complete team last night. And you forget, though, too, that... that they just went the the Clippers just went through a 7 game series against Luka and that team and barely got out with their with their uh with their hides after round 1 is this is this shaping up to be a very similar series where you know they just inexplicably lose games they probably shouldn't and and extend a series to 6 7 games again.
2: No, I think I mean I think it was a quality loss as far as you can get for the Clippers, right? Utah's the number one seed. You just came off of a series that you pushed seven games, that you came back down 0-2, that down 3-2. that Kawhi yep. Leonard basically needed a triple-double to get over the hump, right? I know they won by whatever. It was, it was 15 or 13 in, in Game 7 against Dallas, but that's an exhausting series. To have to go to Salt Lake, to have to deal with that crowd, Dwayne Wade is sitting there on the sidelines, you know, cheering against you. And... and all of a sudden you know look paul george he was nine he got to the free throw line he was still 3 for 8 from 3 it's not like he was shooting an inefficient rate but you're right 3 3 of his four field goals are from beyond the arc and he's 4 for 17 not going to get it done not when donovan mitchells scoring donovan mitchell was sick last night and had the greatest had his best game of his career right so i don't yeah. i don't i think the problem here is like yeah, our expectations might just be a little bit too high for what to get out of Paul George and Kawhi right now. I think that you know, give them a little bit of juice, get them back to LA, and and we'll see a different team. It's what we saw against Dallas. It's the same. It's the same start that we saw. Look, they they proved that they could beat this Utah Jazz team through the first three and a half quarters. I think it was like 84-83, or it was 83-83 and that's when Utah made the run uh, midway through the third. So, And and by the way, the last play of the game, when they came down the floor and there was all that craziness and Marcus Morris got blocked in the corner by Gobert, if you looked at the end, Rondo got the rebound before they started coming down the floor and Paul George was standing at the back sideline, 90 feet away from his own hoop, asking for the ball from Rondo, and Rondo's like push, 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 and he gets it to Kawhi, and Paul George just walks back because he didn't get the ball. That is lazy. If he ran back and got into position Kawhi would have found Paul George and Paul George would have had that shot not Marcus Morris in the corner so Paul George is a great player that they need but he and he but he's lazy at times and they have to find you just have to stop Donovan Mitchell you 45 points from Donovan Mitchell even if Paul George had 30 they probably aren't going to win that game so um he's baffling but it, it comes down to defense and and efficiency at the end of the day with this that's how I feel
3: Donovan Mitchell's playing fantastic. Uh, outside of Kevin Durant, he's arguably the, the hottest player in the playoffs currently. He has three games of forty-five points in the playoffs in his career. That's more than Kareem Shaq, Charles Barkley, Damian Lillard, James Harden, <laughs> and Steph Curry. So he is uh putting up stats early in his career when it matters. And a Spider. Frankly, the, the Jazz are just the Jazz are just playing fantastic. I don't think I personally don't think uh unless Kawhi can really put it on his back, I don't think that the uh, Clippers can take him in a series why was minus
2: 12 he had 23 <laughs> points he had seven boards and he was minus 12 I mean that just shows that he can't do it all right like he's out there he's and playing he's fantastic, well but right why why is, why is his t- why is his team minus 12 when he's on the floor in this game because Utah has more continuity on offense with their starters they all make shots and they have Gobert in the middle and it's really really hard to stop Zubots can't do it Marcus Morris can't do it they didn't even start Zubats and then he had to play the last 15 minutes of the game so it- it's tough it's tough with this team
1: yeah I uh I, I don't know what to, I don't know what to think about the Clippers. I have, a, you know, I have this like arbitrary confidence about them. And then they keep, and then they go out and play. And then I lose all that confidence. Uh, um, our, our boy, Charlie Moss is, is chiming in with the playoff PG vomit face. I love, uh, love our contributors when, when they can. Um <laughs> Question of the day, uh, uh, before we get onto the football side of things here. i got one here for you. um, Is, can Ryan Tannehill become an NFL MVP candidate in 2021? We're going to dive into that more when we get into the NFL here, when we talk to Kayla Anderson, Washington State alum, and Emmy-winning sports reporter there in Nashville. Uh, Good friend of mine, good friend of the show. She'll be joining us at the top of the hour to discuss all things there before we get into the titans and julio jones trade let's talk about uh otas right mini camps that are going on right now mandatory mini camps uh the big absence of course aaron Rodgers. the story that continues to have legs ever since the announcement by adam schefter the day of the draft around his uh lack of interest of being with the green bay packers anymore Uh, Ultimately, about $93,000 he could be fined for missing these three mandatory days. It still hasn't been talked about whether or not they actually go forward with that. Um, This is something that's going to continue for the next 90-plus days until the opening kickoff of of that Thursday night football game uh, between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. Your guys' thoughts on the fact that uh, it doesn't seem like we know anything new. Uh, It's a discussion point that continues to be the case. Uh, The Green Bay Packers hold all the cards here. They don't have to trade him. uh, And it's a matter of who blinks first, really. Are the Green Bay Packers going to blink and say, we got to move on and uh, trade him? Or is Aaron Rodgers going to blink first? And I've had the feeling that no matter what, when this is all said and done, on opening day of the season, you're going to see number 12 uh, in in the green and yellow uh, playing for the Green Bay Packers. Well, I mean – how you say who blinks first right
2: if the if the Packers hold all their cards that's fine but they need to treat them a certain way do, the, do let me put it this way this Aaron Rodgers deserve to be treated well fairly by the Green Bay Packers should the Packers forego the fines should they for should they not put a curfew should they like all these different things that that Marcellus Wiley and chat and Emmanuel Ochoa are currently talking about on their talk show on Fox sports right? Should the Packers do all of that, right? Does Aaron Rodgers deserve that? Because at the end of the day, the Packers can treat them however they want to treat them. But if they truly want this guy back, like they will have to blink first. They just—they simply will, right? Uh, David Bactiari came out today and said, "Look, as a friend, I lo- I support Aaron Rodgers. I whatever he needs to do for Aaron Rodgers, I am here to support him as a player. I want the MVP back, and I want my team to make the decision." To get him back here, however, they need to get him back here, back here. So it seems like the players follow a line in that narrative, and if that's the truth, then the Packers are going to be the one number one to treat Aaron Rodgers, whether he deserves it or not. They're going to treat him well, and number two, they're going to blink first if they really want this guy back and they need him in their good in their corner.
1: I I, I think at some point though, this is going to turn poorly for Aaron. Now we don't know enough. We don't know all the back, uh, you know, the backstage ongoings over the last couple of years. We have heard some kind of inkling of stuff, and is this this taste for Ryan Gudikoun's and uh, what went on with with the Jordan Love draft pick? Um, but we don't know enough as of as of right now. It's looking more and more like, you know. Aaron, who's made over 240 million dollars in his career, has the best chance of winning another championship in Green Bay with a bunch of teammates who are never going to make that kind of money trying to win a championship at well. This is not going to this is not going to turn well for for Aaron. At some point he's going to start looking like a petulant child like he doesn't get along with the general manager because he doesn't think the values match up, so he's going to essentially punish all his teammates who have worked really, really hard with him to get to this place. That's but what... players ultimately... aren't... But Ryan, what's the example? We've seen this, but we're not... This is really the first we're
2: seeing of this in football, but we've seen this before. This is what James Harden did to the Rockets. This is what... I, I can go. I mean, I can go down the list of players. Right. This this is the player empowerment era. This is now where we have to identify with the player and what their wants and needs over the team. We are anti-owner. We are anti-general manager. We are pro-player. And what you're saying is, is that's actually we what we're trying to do juxtaposes our perspective because it's actually hurting all the other players surrounding him. Yet nobody it, nobody's ever been penalized. James Harden wasn't penalized for for just bailing on the Rockets and an entire team that. That came and that was working every single day to try and compete. That was trying to, get, you know, these were guys who needed to play well for contract. There are wide receivers out there that need a good quarterback in order to get a contract to be able to get in, to be able to be a wide receiver, right? Like you need these guys. How much? But do you think that the players are looking at the Packers organization and seeing it as you guys aren't doing enough to get Aaron Rodgers back, and that's hurting us? Rather than Aaron Rodgers, you not you holding out. And you sticking by whatever it is, however it is that you feel is hurting us. Because it could go the other way too. They could be looking at the team and saying, What your decision making is what's hurting us.
1: Yeah, ultimately it's not gonna work. It's not gonna when the season comes to fruition, it's not going to look good for Aaron Rodgers. It may now and team players may be backing him, but if it continues without any more information getting out there, like there isn't something substantive out there that's stopping him, because all that all that he's saying is that his values don't match up. With a certain individual in the front office, and that for me ultimately is going to is going to turn on Aaron Rodgers. It, What's it, his it, value? What do you think his value is? Is he worth value? what he says he's worth? Is he is he is uh, he yes. right so to? Of do course it? he's of course he's worth. He's worth whatever you can pay so, a quarterback. So do you
2: do you blame him for doing what he's doing then?
1: Yes, I, there's no. He, he'll get. They've offered him the contract. They've offered him the extension with with the guaranteed money. He says he does not want to play for them, and that that for me becomes a a, a problem because uh, because of his of his teammates. You know, I I'm I'm in I'm in for player empowerment just like you are um, as a former player. There doesn't seem to be too much from the front office aspect of things. They could have done things differently when it came to uh, you know, talking to him about the Jordan Love. All you had to do was send a text right? Communicate, Hey, we're thinking about doing this. Aaron could respond like, Hey, I'm going to be your guy for the next three years. I don't feel like this is probably the right time. There could have been a conversation that that could have had. And if that's enough to disrupt uh, the, the best chance, I think in the NFC, other than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win a championship, then there's going to be blame uh, on both sides. But I think ultimately it's going to land in the lap of Aaron Rodgers. Now, if he chooses just to walk away and transition into a, a, Post career life, okay, you know his legacy is set in his mind, but ultimately, unless more information comes out about why this is not so untenable, because I haven't got a good enough answer of why this is so untenable for him not to be the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, is his.
2: I have a question though uh, beyond that. I mean, he, you said in his mind, his legacy, his cemented, his legacy is cemented at this point, right? He's not going to, ca- yeah. he's not going to catch up to Brady. He has, th- he has three MVPs. He has his Super Bowls. I mean, yeah, he could go the win another Super the one Bowl. Thing,
1: the one thing that he could get a, a leg up on is, is to win a second championship in Green Bay, and then his legacy would, would I think, go above Brett Favre, who was only able to win the one So you don't have him above Brett Favre right now. So that's what he has to prove. Right. Right now, I feel like they... I mean, this has been three decades of uh, Hall of Fame quarterback playing Green Bay. So the fans... The fans... I, I don't want to hear from the fans in an uproar about... <laughs> Uh, who to blame in any of this? Right. I, this is a this is a a team and player issue. The fans that they're complaining about stuff. They've had three decades of Hall of Fame quarterback play. You just just shut up and let it play out the way they need it. What it needs to play out. If you're the Green Bay Packer fans, I just think that ultimately, and I know Aaron well. Right. We play golf in the offseason. We do things together. I just I don't know if I know enough. Uh, there has to be more out there. There has to be more out there. For this to just completely implode now did he watch tom brady do what he did last year to leave a franchise he'd been in his entire career win championships at and go to another place and win one maybe aaron feels like he could do that someplace else i don't know if there's a team out there that is a landing spot for him that actually is a viable option because there's trade don't forget you know tom brady was a free agent he could go wherever he wanted to that's not up to Aaron Rodgers. It's up to the Green Bay Packers and what they can get in reciprocal compensation. That's, that's a big factor in all this as well.
2: I agree. Kayla's here.
1: All right. That's good. Uh, I will bring her on in one second. We're going to talk about the Julio Jones um, trade and what the Titans are doing. Kayla Anderson is a Washington State alum. She has worked from the Murrow School of Communication in Pullman. Uh, She started in my home state of Montana. She's been an exceptional broadcaster and sports analyst. Found her way to Nashville, Tennessee, where she covers all things sports, from the Predators uh, to the uh, Tennessee Titans. And we love to welcome her to the RDL show. Kayla, how are you doing today? Oh, I love the Go Cougs. There we go.
0: I So I have it actually on my desk, but I had to switch it up. There's no way I wasn't getting that back there. How are you doing, Ryan? Good to see you. It's
1: good to see you too. Um, thank you so much for, for taking some time to join us today. This has been, uh, other than the Aaron Rodgers talk, um, Julio Jones and the massive trade, not only just because of the trade, but because of the, um, the players on the Tennessee Titans and them really trying to get Julio there in particular. A.J. Brown and his uh, social media platform. What did what do you take away from the trade and how has it landed there in Nashville?
0: Yeah, it's been really an exciting past three days here in Nashville, Tennessee. And look, this was something I think fans thought was going to happen. I think the media even thought this was going to happen. And just for the sheer fact that when you looked at that wide receivers group with the departure of Corey Davis, with the departure of Adam Humphreys, you're looking at it and you see AJ Brown and you're like, okay, that's good and great, but what else is there there? And then you also lost John Smith in the tight ends room who had been really successful on the field last season. So everyone kind of was expecting a move to happen. And when we talked to John Robinson that Sunday, when the move was made, he pretty much said, yeah, we had been looking at making this deal. And finally uh, he actually said he got it done (laughs) at a breakfast spot. He, Worked out all the deals uh, at a breakfast spot on Saturday for the most part. This was something that he wanted. He thought that this would make this team reach that level where they could get to the Super Bowl. And and it's a done deal. And man, the city of Nashville, I can't even explain the excitement right now. I know the jerseys are now on sale and I'd expect those to go real quick and they're going to have to restock them all year.
1: He's going to wear number two, right? That's what I, if I'm informed correctly, um, you know on my on my show on, on Sirius XM NFL radio I I talked about it a lot and I've come come along in a different way I didn't know if he's necessarily changed the dynamic in Tennessee in terms of uh, their contending value I thought they were a contender uh, from the jump um, but adding somebody like Julio Jones does a lot because defensive coordinators already have a problem enough dealing with Derrick Henry in the backfield there but now by putting eight guys in the box and then singling up only on A.J. Brown. Corey Davis and Julio Julio Jones is a much bigger upgrade. If he can stay healthy, defensive coordinators all week are going to have many sleepless nights preparing for this Titans team.
0: Well, and that's the thing, because A.J. Brown is already a beast. We've seen what he's done in these past two years, especially last year, uh, his yards after catch. I mean, he's just a monster. And, yeah, I think Corey Davis, he had a great year. I mean, almost reached 1,000 yards, as A.J. Brown did. But Julio Jones is also just a specimen in itself. I mean, he's had a huge NFL career. And I know he's 32 years old, and he's definitely – you know, on this side of his NFL career. But he hasn't shown that much in terms of decline. And I just think adding him to this Titans offense, it's a really good match for him because he can go opposite of A.J. Brown. You have Derrick Henry, who you have to stop as well. And then you also have... You know, Anthony Fergster, I know he's not a big-name tight end, but he has been able to do a lot for this Titans offense, uh, especially last year. You've got a lot more weapons in here. But, yeah, just having that duo of A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, I mean, just physically when you look at the guys, it's just impressive.
1: They A lot of people don't realize how many. You talked about the the absence of, of the wide receiving core and then Johnny Smith at the tight end. I think 195 receptions left the team this off season. So it was imperative for them to go out and find some contributors. Now, the question is in a division where they are going to be competing with the Colts, really, I mean, the Jags and the Houston Texans are, are in a chaotic place right now. They won't be vying for a division title, but these two teams will, what's the thing that's going to limit them? And, and it has to be a lot of the absences on defense. How are they going to reshape that and be a factor in this division?
0: Yeah, that's exactly where I think the question mark is. Now that the offense is shored up, especially with adding a guy like Julio, You look at this defense and that was the weakness of this team last season. It was just an up and down thing. They had historically the worst third down percentage. I think in NFL history, it was always this word communication. It was brought up in every single press conference after a loss and nobody really knew what was going on. And so now that they have finally, you know, named a defensive coordinator, it looks like Mike Vrabel has kind of given him the reins Um, and now these individuals. Individual players, guys like Kevin Byard, guys like Jeffrey Simmons, the addition of guys like Bud Dupree—they're uh, going to have to take a lot on in terms of stepping it up. And then you you look at the secondary it has to step it up as well. I mean, Kevin Byard is the OG in this secondary, which used to be, in my opinion, one of the best in the league. Um, And now they all have gone other places. So you've got a lot of new faces. You've got a guy like Janoris Jenkins, who uh, still has a little bit left in him. What is he going to do? So the defense is still kind of the question mark here. And for them to be able to compete uh, for, Super Bowl just to make it deep in the playoffs they have to have a better year defensively overall
1: our question of the day was uh whether or not Ryan Tannehill can actually become an NFL MVP candidate and what we've seen from him the last two years now under Arthur Smith uh at at the helm he's gone now is this uh, with the addition of Julio Jones Uh, with more um, maybe input in the offense with the new offensive coordinator. Is this a a year that Ryan Tannehill can kind of make that jump and be in that kind of consideration this season?
0: I absolutely think so. And you look at last season, and and I know it ended on a sour note. He did not have a great showing in that playoff game against the Ravens. But when you look at Tannehill as a whole and what he's been able to do offensively here, I think sometimes he gets a, a. not as much credit as he should. Uh, He hasn't been phenomenal in playoff games, but throughout the season, he's been really solid. And when you add a piece like Julio, it just gives him more freedom, more weapons to go to. And on top of it, when you talk to John Robinson about Ryan Tannehill and ever since he's become the starter, the main thing that he talks about is the leadership that he has on offense, the way that he Gets his wide receivers to listen. You know, switching up something, um, they pay attention to Ryan Tannehill. They will listen to Ryan Tannehill because Ryan Tannehill wants to make them better. Um, I mean, AJ Brown talks so highly of this guy. It, it's definitely all around. I don't want to call him a game manager. Sometimes I don't. I don't like that title, but I think he manages real well. And then he can also do a lot of good things um, physically. This guy can run. Uh, he, he's, he's not the best guy out of the pocket in terms of passing, but he can get around. He's not afraid to move with the ball. And, and he's been shown at times to go deep. And when he needs to find a weapon, he's not afraid to do that. He's got confidence. And, and I think he's really going to be able to step it up this next year.
1: I, I really feel like the Titans, there are certain teams, uh, the Indianapolis Colts for one of them. Ryan Ballard has kind of put together some great drafts. And sometimes when you have too good of drafts, you have players that you get later in rounds that now are up on for their extended contracts for their second contract and you have to make a decision. So it's kind of to a point where the Colts, you know, either have to get it done now or never are the Titans kind of in that place. They've been working towards this thing for the last three years when they decided to bring Ryan Tannehill apart, uh, up through the system. And now with Julio Jones, is this kind of in a place where a lot of people's expectations are the Titans need to to, to go deep into the playoffs. If anything, Uh, for a Super Bowl
0: chance. 100%. I think that if you didn't think that was the case, then you're not watching the window here in Tennessee because John Robinson made this move because he knew that it would make his football team better. He knew that it would give them a chance to be contenders. And while they do have to figure things out on defense, I think that those uh, problems will be solved this year with just the additions and with everything that goes on the shoulders of these individual players. I think they know what's at stake, especially when you add a piece like Julio Jones. But you're right, the window is is not, it's not huge right now. It's a smaller window where they know that they have to get it done here in the next couple of years, or it might take another you know five, six years down the road. So adding a piece like Julio is gonna help them do that. Um, but John Robinson, he wouldn't say it outright, but you can tell this is the move he made because he knows the window is small
1: especially with the division kind of almost cut in half this year. Uh, Mm -hmm. Our special guest today is Kayla Anderson. You can see her on Twitter at Kayla Anderson TV, Emmy winning sports reporter at WKRN in Nashville. I'm going to bring on Jonathan Rifkin, one of my co-hosts. He has a question for you uh, uh, surrounding uh, the Julio trade and what's going on in Tennessee. Hey Kayla, thanks for taking the time.
2: Really appreciate you having, having you on the show. Big fan. Um, We love identity, right? Fans love team identity. What's the offensive identity? What's the defensive identity? And nowadays in football, most teams don't build their identity out of the backfield, right? I would say Carolina may have been an exception, but even Christian McCaffrey, he's sort of a hybrid. And we typically see those kinds of running backs um, in, in a stacked backfield. Now with Derrick Henry, this is somebody who almost feels like an anomaly in the NFL right now. You add a piece like Julio Jones, the game continuing to evolve year by year becomes a more passing first league. Do we expect to see more of that balanced running pass approach, RPO approach out of Tennessee, or are we going to still see more possession around Derrick Henry, hoping for defenses to stack the box, play man coverage, play cover three, um, and and in an efforts to get Julio and AJ and some of the other uh, playmaking options open?
0: Yeah, great question. And here's the thing. If you were to ask the Tennessee Titans last year, the year before, what is your identity? It's it's run first, right? It's it's run the ball. I mean, Derrick Henry, when you have a guy like that, back-to-back uh, rushing years in terms of champion, it, you're going to give the guy the ball. I mean, he's the one that's going to give you the most success. But when you add a piece like Julio Jones, and I know it's one piece, but you also have to look at everything else that this offense has been able to do in the past, um, I feel like Derrick has tread on the tires And this is a year where you're going to maybe see a little bit of decline or maybe you want to save a little bit for when you do go into the postseason. And Julio Jones adding that piece, it it helps you with the variety, with what you can do in terms of mixing up things on offense. I mean, it's going to be a nightmare for opposing defenses, as Ryan had mentioned. And then we still don't know if they're going to make any moves in terms of adding maybe a veteran tight end. They have a little bit of money to work with after maybe signing their three uh, remaining rookies. So we could even see an addition You know, there. And then you can't forget about Josh Reynolds, guys. That I know he's not this guy that has big numbers coming into the season, but I think he's now a good number three guy where um, he can be utilized in the slot in some situations. And now that you look at it as a whole, it just, that room is so much deeper. And so maybe you can take a little bit away in terms of Derrick Henry's carries. But I think when it's all said and done, that big boy is what's really given this team the identity in terms of success.
1: Yeah, it it has. Josh Reynolds is great. I've watched him here in LA for the last few years and uh, he's going to be a a, a tremendous uh, addition. Sky Glastor fellow co-host. He's got a quick question for you too. Um, Hey Kayla.
3: Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you taking some time. Uh, I'm so glad you mentioned Josh Reynolds. (laughs) I've been a big fan of his since uh, Texas A&M and and the Rams as well. Uh, You mentioned the secondary and the young secondary, and kind of piecemealing the last couple of years, and it's been a a weak point at least last year for the Titans in an otherwise pretty strong front seven. Um, I want to talk about Caleb Farley, first round draft pick number twenty two. He was actually my top rated personally. I just he was my favorite cornerback <laughs> that came out of this draft class. But he was um, I thought a steal at number twenty two behind J.C. Horn and, and Patrick Sertan who went ahead of him because he fell in the draft because of a recent back surgery. So just curious if there's any updates with him, um, if he should be healthy for day one, and ultimately the Titans, to make a run in the AFC, they're going to get have, have to get past Josh Allen and the Bills and Patrick yeah. Mahomes and the Chiefs. So what can Caleb Farley do as a rookie?
0: I think you're exactly right. I think he was one of, in my opinion, the best cornerbacks on the board, and he slipped because of those back surgeries in the most recent one. First of all, I love this kid's attitude. We got to talk to him the day after he was drafted when he was in Tennessee and just loved the, the fight he has, his identity it, it fits the Tennessee Titans, that kind of gritty, like chip on our shoulder type of team. He fits that room really well. And he fits the room especially well because he just loves football. I mean, he eats, breathes and sleeps football in terms of the injury and how he's coming along. He's been here. He's been rehabbing. We haven't seen him on the field, but he was here for rookie mini camp. Um, And I know that every time we've asked about him, it seems like everything's going along really well. And according to him, when we spoke to him, he said, he's going to be out there. He's going to try to be out there during training camp. So if they can get him out there that soon, that would be great. I do expect to see him ready to go week one. Um, but I think he's going to be a great addition. It's just a matter of how quickly he can get out there, but he seems like he's a fairly quick learner. And and again, I just think his, his mentality fits this team really well. He's just excited to play football again.
1: Yeah, I bet he is too. Uh, looking for big things from the Tennessee Titans. We're talking with Kayla Anderson, uh, Emmy winning sports reporter at WKRN there in Nashville. Before I let you go, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little Cougar football here with you. Um, uh, you know, I, I, a COVID year where it pretty much shut down the whole conference. Uh, Mike Leach takes his show on the road to Starkville. They hire a new coach Nick Rolovich. Uh, not a lot to 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 know about quite yet. What do you expect from from our alma mater? Um, what do you think uh, in terms of? expectations need to be after losing Mike Leach who wasn't gonna win you a championship but was gonna get you a bowl game every year. What do we need to expect from our Coops you think?
0: Yeah, it's such a I, I tell you Ryan, it's hard because I, I was there you know, somewhat around the time that you were there, just a little bit after. But let's admit it. We, we saw winning teams. We, we were able to experience winning on the Palouse. And not that they haven't been able to experience winning under Mike Leach. But when you lose to the Washington Huskies, our rival um, every year, that, every year to me, that's like unacceptable. And as much as I liked Leach, I was so sick of seeing Washington State lose to the Huskies, um, even the years when they had Minshew and they should have won. It, right. It's just like first and foremost, that's an expectation of mine. You've got to be able to beat all, our alma mater because that's I what's lo- gonna. <laughs> What'd you say? I loved.
1: I loved his announcement. He really took into consideration how important that 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 rivalry was, and and Mike right. Leach just simply didn't. I I I toy with uh Minshew and, and Jason Gesser a bunch about uh <laughs> how you can't be considered a legend uh quarterback at Washington State if you've never beat the Huskies. So we'll look we'll right? leave it uh at that la- at that. I-, I really appreciate you taking time. Um uh, I was just down in Nashville a couple weeks ago for an event. Um yeah, love that town. For some reason I get asked to come there a lot and they're in Peyton Manning territory. Hi. It's a lot of fun. Uh keep doing what you're doing. You're killing it. I love watching your stuff. Uh, have a great rest of the off season. We'll look forward to maybe having you back when the season kicks off.
0: Hey, thanks, Ryan. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Appreciate it.
1: You bet. Kayla Anderson, everybody, Emmy-winning sports reporter there from WKRN in Nashville. She's got all the insight with the Julio Jones trade and what that means to the city. I think you know from from listening to her, the excitement around it. It sounds like there's a. It, it's just. I think a lot of people have expectations, but the the city of Nashville and the state of Tennessee have a ton of expectations now with the signing of a 32 year old wide receiver who hasn't been able to stay on the field that much the last few years. Are these the highest expectations since Jake Locker? Um, probably. I mean, I think there were a lot when he was drafted in terms of what that. I think I think when Marcus Mario, I think that's where the that's another yeah yeah those expectations rose, but with talking with Arthur Smith uh, the last couple years, um, he really explained to me how he loved Marcus and what a great leader he was, but he was more of a West coast offensive type of weapon, which why, which is why I think he f- fits in so much better in John Gruden system, because he goes on 12, 14, 16 play drives to get you points. You can't do that all game. What Arthur Smith wanted with the weapons that they had down the football field they wanted to be able to score from any spot on the field, and they just couldn't do that with Marcus Mariota. He wasn't as good down the field as Ryan Tannehill's been. And in the offense, where you have a running back like Derrick Henry, you got to have explosive plays down the field, and now they got another weapon to do that. So it should be really interesting to see what the AFC South looks like. It's going to be an incredible competition between the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans. We have not paid any bills. We have to get into that. Of course, we talked about Sunfair a little bit, but you can go to sunfair.com and look like me at 45. Let's try it. Everybody try it, all right? Personalized, delivered, healthy meals. That photo of me at the bottom is from July 3rd of last year. The other two from a couple Sundays the last couple weeks. I got to do another selfie here soon uh, after weight training with with Shannon the last couple weeks. But Sunfair has been the reason, right? It's been all about the food. Uh, personalized, delivered healthy meals in the LA and Phoenix area. Go to uh, the sign-up process on Sunfair.com. Once you get the enter, once you get there, enter your information. Page. You will need to click on and select Carl Faro as your sales representative, as well as the Ryan D. Leaf show as how you heard about it. Try it now. It's all about the food. Make that conscious choice to change your nutrition and get better. All right. Moving on, um, I wanted to follow up a little bit on the Aaron Rodgers conversation because the scrutiny that we've seen over the last two days of, of, of Jordan Love for minicamp practice has been overwhelming. It's going to be the most scrutinized practice sessions you'll see in a long time. I don't necessarily think it's fair to the man. Um, because it's just really about development. They weren't expecting him to be the guy. I'm glad he's getting opportunities, which is great, because none of it counts. None of it counts. People can talk about it. Yesterday, a local beat writer talked about how he wasn't very accurate, uh, how it didn't look good. Today's Twitter Twitter content has been how he's looked really impressive. So this can be a completely up and down, hyperbolic situation. All I know is this is the best thing for the Packers and for Jordan Love if he's going to be the guy even if he's not going to be the guy this year because aaron Rodgers ultimately comes back this couldn't be a better situation for them to see him develop if you recall correctly when brett Favre stayed down in mississippi teetering on whether or not he was going to come back or not aaron Rodgers got all the reps and a lot of people don't remember but he wasn't that great coming out the shoots right there was a lot of booze at training camp they didn't like the fact that this guy was coming to take over for a legend but he got the reps he needed. He developed into the quarterback where they felt like when he was ready to take over the reins, he was ready to go. So I think this is a good thing for Jordan Love as long as he doesn't get overwhelmed and start reading, uh, you know, the headlines, whether he's people are saying he's good or bad because none of it really matters. The only improvement part of it for him is what truly matters. Ryan, we opened up the show. You asked us, you
2: know, pandemic, health, mental health, exercise I think staying away from fans and the fan perspective is good for my mental health as well because who are who are any of them? Who are we to sit there and judge Jordan Love for the situation that he ha- finds himself in? He didn't go to Utah State with the idea that he was going to get drafted by the Packers, get absolutely scorned by the starting quarterback and superstar in the league, basically be an afterthought for a year. Without a preseason, with so many variables surrounding, like right. he doesn't. This guy doesn't want the drama. This guy wants to go out and get a freaking NFL snap, and we're sitting here absolutely destroying him. <laughs> oh my! Why? Because we need a narrative. If we need somebody to blame, blame the Packers because he's in the situation because of the Packers' decision making, and it's the same reason why I'm I'm frustrated with the Aaron Rodgers thing. Yes, we could sit there and say Rodgers, blah 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 blah. Why is he acting out at the Packers? Because the Packers did something in the past that screwed up. Should he get? No for it, probably. Has he? No. Now we're dealing with the recourse. Jordan Love didn't ask for any of this. Jordan Love wasn't even alive. I'm popping out. Hold on. I apologize. I'm getting frustrated, so. Are we good? (laughs) Jordan Love... Jordan Love wasn't even alive when Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre were feuding. Like this guy, literally has no say in any of this. And we sit here and we're like, "Oh, he can't throw into a, a beautiful b- a ball in a cover two in 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 the, in the in the in the pocket in the corner of the back left pylon po- of the end zone." Who cares? Let the guy just work, and let's see what happens when he takes. All
1: right, I'm blowing out again. I'm going to stop. That's a sign. I need to stop. <laughs> it's it's not fair. You're exactly right. I said it today on Twitter. I said, this is going to be the most scrutinized practice sessions we'll have seen in some time. It's not fair to the young man. Uh, His quarterback development will be seen in front of the entire world. Now, of course, I had the responses from a bunch of people like, hey, you know, he was drafted in the first round uh, up against a Hall of Fame quarterback, and, um, you know, if he didn't want the spotlight, he should pick another job. Hey, this is my perspective. We even heard nothing from Jordan Love in terms of how he doesn't want this. He wants this, all right? He wants the opportunity to be the guy. Otherwise, he wouldn't be playing it. This is from the perspective of somebody who's played the position, been in a sport, and felt overly criticized. That's part of it. I get it. You don't have to be a part of that. People don't have – that's a choice to be over-critical of somebody that is doing something that is absolutely meaningless at the time, right? What he does in practice with not all of his weapons, learning and through the process. And also, don't, don't forget – how Ryan Goodenkunst has made this defense that much better. It's a reason why they've been in consecutive NFC championships because not of only Raron Rodgers, but because of the improvement on the defensive side of things, right? They intercepted Tom Brady three times in the NFC, cha- NFC championship, all right? They've improved greatly. They're going to give Jordan Love a bunch of hell in practice, which is only going to make him better. So uh, where this is all going, it's great for the, the development of Jordan Love for the Packers in the long run. Uh, I still believe, when it's all said and done that Aaron Rodgers will suit up for the Green Bay Packers on opening day and play through this year. Because also if he decides to walk away, people forget about the aspect of how much money that Aaron Rodgers not only is giving up, but how much he has to give back. That's the thing that a lot of people haven't talked about from bonuses to retroactive signing bonus money that he would have to pay back. It's a large, large amount. Not to say that he doesn't have it. That's just a lot of money that you have pocketed that you would have to return to an organization because you decide to end your career because you didn't like He knows that, though. He knows all of
2: that, and he's still making this choice, so I feel like it's a non-starter. Well,
1: Well, he's not—I truly believe in his heart of hearts and in, in his ear with Dave Dunn, my former agent, that they believe he's going to be playing for another team next Dave year. Dave wants beli- him to play no matter what because
2: Dave gets a, a money out yes. of that. But Aaron, yes. Aaron sitting there, Aaron rather stick to his convictions, feel whether they're feelings driven, intuition driven, whether we agree with them or not, they care about any of that stuff, right? Maybe him and Dave Dunn had an impasse with each other because Dave wants he doesn't that he doesn't he, wa- gets. he does not want
1: he does not want to walk away. I have spent too much time with him and understand him. He does not. He wants to play football. He loves it. He loves it. He loves the camaraderie. He does not not want to play football. So he just is in – he believes wholeheartedly that by him taking the stance will allow him to play for another team next year. That's just where he's at right now. And that's why I talk about these two uh, entities at an impasse, and it's it's going to be which team blinks first. And Green Bay – or which you know variable blinks first. Green Bay doesn't have to. They have quarterbacks. They can go play. They have a team in place. Now, I do believe that the over-under on them uh, for wins this year without Aaron Rodgers sits around six or seven wins, to be honest. I really do. I think that's putting a lot on on a young quarterback to uh, to do what Aaron Rodgers has done the last few years in an MVP season. So I, I think it, 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 it doesn't bode well for Green Bay, but I don't believe uh, the only thing that helps them out is if they get a bunch in return, which isn't going to help them this year. So I think they hold out as long as they can until Aaron ultimately makes the decision on whether or not he comes back next year or not.
3: If Aaron's gone, who wins the NFC North?
1: It's up in the air. I mean, I, I the Chicago Bears are now at the forefront. The Minnesota Vikings actually have a shot at doing some things if they stay healthy on defense and get some great play out of Kirk Cousins, which is asking a lot. But you're talking about the the, the Chicago Bears and the and the Minnesota Vikings now having a real shot at the uh, division title if Aaron Rodgers does not go in Green Bay. All right, uh, for all of you out there that that want to drink your sorrows away uh, but just can't because you can't deal with the consequences, try some athletic brew, all right? Brew without compromise. Athleticbrewing.com non-alcoholic beers. Uh, you can drown your sorrows uh, but feel good about it in the morning. How about that one? All right, try it. Athleticbrewing.com. Go to the website. You'll get 10% off your first two deliveries of six packs to your house. Really enjoy it. Um, it's what I drink. And, uh, and and Sky as well. I Delicious. forget. I forget. I, I think I had the shotgun one if Phil Mickelson didn't win the PGA. So luckily for me,
2: yeah,
3: I, don't you're good.
1: To, I don't have to deal with that one uh, at all. All right.
2: Um, well, hold on. Hold on. Who do you have? Who do you have in the, in the little tournament that they're doing? Because I feel like we should move that over. To, I uh, really
1: feel like that that this was an opportune moment for uh, for whoever puts these things together in my home state to go with uh, Phil and bill and me because of Diego course ties. you thought that would be an opportunity for them but yeah it's an opportunity for them Phil and me versus Bryson and Peyton what I are you shooting deeper. right now what are you shooting right now Ryan well, I shot 78 on Monday with my little brother. Phil, Phil would take hole. a
2: 78. Are you kidding me? Phil would definitely take a 78.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, um, who, Tom Brady's not going to shoot 78. Uh, Aaron could. Water. Aaron Is Tom, Tom, could. Even,
3: Tom, Tom just had surgery. How's he doing?
1: I'm doing golf. great. Okay. Tom's doing great. He's, you see him working out the other day without a knee brace? First time in 10 yeah. years without a knee brace. Yeah. So that surgery worked really, really well, it looks like. So, But they're going to be playing in my home state. Perfect opportunity. I think that they messed this up. Opportunity You, know, you, of lost. you, have, you, you should go cover
2: bust. it, Ryan. Go cover it.
1: Go make. Go tell them.
2: I think I might access. be up in
1: Montana at the uh, at the end of the uh, month of July. I told them. I said I'd caddy. If anything, I'll just come up and caddy. Bring them on. Do
2: RDL show on site. Bring them on. Storm the green.
1: <laughs> what I what I what we should do is we should have our. We know our, Brooks our loves when people
2: storm the green. Sorry, <laughs> we should have
1: uh, a bomb banana. Our our um, spicy. Uh, hot sauce be delivered there to uh the people that organize this and maybe it's kind of a, a little you know a little bribe here uh bomb banana all right uh go to seek the get 10 percent off by using uh the uh promo code leaf l-e-a-f like on a tree at checkout bomb banana hot sauce get after it people all right before we leave this was a great show uh, we had so much to talk about. Um, wanted to get into a couple things before we leave. Uh, the idea of whether or not um, uh, Ryan Tannehill can become an NFL MVP. Kayla Anderson, right there in Nashville, feels like this is the this is an opportune time for him. Uh, we wanted to get in a couple other things. Uh, the uh, Jokic. Am I saying that Jokic. right? Jokic. 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 Yeah. Jokic is the MVP. Our boy Jonathan Rifkin. Right with this ninety first first place votes. Curry finished his second. Paul, look where Paul ended up. No, Embiid
2: Where it was Embiid? Oh yeah, you're right. He didn't play Four. enough games. Yeah, he didn't play enough Four. games. Sorry, you're right. Yeah. You're right. So uh,
3: good
1: hold word. on, hold yeah. on, hold on.
3: Time out. These aren't these aren't necessarily how they finished. These are the first place votes. Right. So yeah, Curry had five. Paul had it. two, and beat that's it one. That's how game. I
1: view it. These are first place. honest one. How about somebody Rose? Threw, somebody threw Justin Rose's vote. name in there with one first place. No, Rose. Derek, It
2: was probably it was the it was probably like the Chicago or Knicks beat writer that had a vote, and they're like, you know, we're going to throw a vote. Whatever. This guy. Good for
1: him. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm well, glad for him. Good for he, him. Good the level. for uh, Jokic and uh, Jokic and uh, and the Denver Nuggets. I mean, that's yep. what a, what a what a wonderful thing. A small market in the in a big man in this league winning the MVP this lowest year. pick Good ever second round draft pick only second round yep. pick ever to win
3: first wonderful, center
1: wonderful wonderful first
3: center since Shack in 2000 He's
1: barely a center this guy does it all that's why he, won he it. does it all he does Either it all way, that's it's exactly it's right different. Jonathan had this pegged about a month and a half ago when we were discussing it we'll get into this on Friday a little bit more I want to get into the college football playoff expansion idea on Friday as well as the NLI uh, uh conversation in congress how this is going to affect and whether or not statewide mandates need to go into effect or some markets, some organizations, some colleges could really take the brunt of it. If certain states have passed this bill, certain states haven't. We'll get into that more on Friday. We want to thank again Kayla Anderson from WKRN there in Nashville to talk to us about the Julio Jones trade as well as the Tennessee Titans 2021 season. We look forward to talking about those things and more on Friday from uh, uh, from the college side of things, to the pro side of things. We'll have more NBA playoff talk as well with uh, Jonathan Rifkin and Sky Guasco. We thank you for watching. Can't wait to see you guys on Friday.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe.